The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to the Central City Chronicle, the unofficial The Flash podcast, a poppychuloradio.com and iTunes exclusive. Poppy Chulo Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Wednesday, March 22nd, 2017, and I am your host, Professor X. During tonight's broadcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the latest episode of CW's The Flash. Please welcome my co-host, Brittany Garcia. Hey, everyone. And Jeffrey Aruz. Hey everyone! Bum, and now bum, in bum. harmony, both of you. Yes, we were trying. We practiced all yeah. day just for you, Professor X. Aw, thanks. Let's jump into our recap of Season 3, Episode 17, titled Duet, which aired on March 21st, 2017. Here's the official synopsis. Picking up right after the end of Supergirl, Hank and Monel arrive on Earth-1 with a comatose Kara. Music Meister appears and shows that he knows a lot about what's been happening, referring to Wally and Barry by name, and even talking about Wally's recent experience in the Speed Force. He uses super speed to put Barry in a coma similar to the one Kara was in. He wakes up in, or sorry, Barry wakes up in the musical world and finds Kara there singing Moon River. Meister appears to tell them they're stuck in a movie musical, and if they finish the plot, they'll return to the real world, but if they die in the movie, they die in real life. Meister does a song and dance number to get things going and then disappears. Uh, Barry and Kara find out they're singers in a nightclub run by a different version of Malcolm Merlin, with Wynn working as a piano player, Sisko as a waiter, and Stein and Joe as two gangsters opposing Malcolm. Barry and Kara set off to find the missing plot and figure out the ending of it so they can get home. Joe and Stein give them the job of tracking down their missing daughter, Iris, you're known as Millie, who's fooling around with Monel, the son of Malcolm. Sound confusing? You know what? It's just a musical. The plot doesn't really matter anyway. Kara and Barry convince the pair to reveal their love. In doing so, both Barry and Kara realize how they've been screwing up their own love lives. Back on Earth-1, Cisco Manhunter and Kid Flash team up to bring down the music meister who's stolen some of Barry and Kara's power. Back in the musical world, Malcolm Stein and Jewel go to war. Barry and Kara are shot in the crossfire, but the real Cisco, Monel, and Iris vibe into their world to save them, allowing Barry and Kara both to admit their loves. They wake up in Star Labs. Meister reveals he just wanted them to realize their love, and then he vanishes. Kara and Monel are back together, and the team returns to Earth 38. Then Barry and Iris move back in together. Barry reproposes to Iris, who accepts. Before we get to what you guys thought, let's check in on the ratings of this episode of The Flash. Uh, last week, the show was only 2.4 million people with a 0.9 in the demo, and that was a series low. If you're one of the naysayers who said a musical episode was a bad idea, you were mistaken. Ratings were up 11% this week, pulling in 2.65 million viewers and a 0.9 in the key demo. So, what did you guys think about the episode? Is everything better in song? Brittany? Is everything better in song? I have to say, after this 
I don't want, I don't want to say semi dark, but pretty dark uh, second half for Flash. I would say yes. Everything is better in a musical, and I feel like with such a uh, with such a talented cast for both Supergirl and Flash, like there's no reason why they couldn't do this episode, and we we got it. It was really well done. I think it lived up to the hype. I will say personally, I was a little slightly underwhelmed with the episode and maybe the plot a little bit but i came to have a good time and that's what this episode gave me i was laughing i was smiling i was you know just moving my head along with the music with the original song so mostly positiveness for me i like this episode and i really hope we have another one another musical uh, in the future uh season seasons for flash or for arrow i mean whatever i don't mind we still have um stories um to explore with music meister so i thought it was awesome and jeffrey what did you think i enjoyed the episode for what it was um the the musical was a musical so it, it's not really supposed to make sense especially like the old school musicals everyone you know is always happy and there's always a happy ending and then that kind of thing so so the musical element was what it was and it was nice and it was fun and it was positive for the most part um i still do have a teeny tiny problem with how they executed it because i feel like it could have been even more grandiose had they gone a slightly different route because a lot of they they have a huge cast of really talented singers and they didn't use everyone that can sing which was a little disappointing so so maybe they will do another music meister episode in the future um but for for what i saw from what i saw um from what was on the screen i enjoyed it for the most part um i do have uh, some i guess critiques like uh britney uh but for the most part i i guess maybe i'm more positive about it yeah i personally i thoroughly enjoyed the episode um you know i i'm not even going to you know critique the plot there are obviously plot holes you could drive a truck through and but it doesn't matter because as they kept reminding you, it's a musical. And, you know, even, you know, the little sort of meta jokes within it when they're talking about, wow, it sure is easy to persuade people to do things in a musical or everything does happen easier in a musical. And, you know, it's sort of like that knowing wink to the audience. But, and we'll get into this, I'm sure, because it's something we talked about in the past. Uh, you know, by putting uh, Barry and Kara in that situation and allowing them to comment on it, I actually thought it worked much better than I was expecting. Uh, but before we get into a thorough recap of the latest episode of The Flash, here's our announcer with a few reminders on how you can interact with us. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Central City Chronicle. Follow us on Tumblr, the Central City Chronicle.tumblr.com. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions? suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash poppychularadio. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? 
Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through iTunes. Just search for the Central City Chronicle and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. Now, as I said, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of point going over the musical plot, in air quotes, in detail. Uh, all of us said we, we pretty much liked it. What was the moment when you were watching it where you thought to yourself, either, okay, I'm just going to have to shut off my brain and enjoy it, or where you thought to yourself, okay, this is going to be something special? Was there a moment early on in the episode that jumped out? Jeffrey, let's start with you. Oh, I loved Moon River from Out the Gate. Uh, I thought that was a beautiful, beautifully done song uh, with uh, Melissa... Ben Benoist or Benoist's uh, voice just shining through. I mean, that was amazing. Probably the next moment, I guess, was the next musical moment. Um, th- that uh, put a little love in your heart. That's when I was like, okay, this is really going to work. The part where I just cringed was the Super Friends song. And yeah, I was like, no. Uh, Brittany, what did you think? Uh, I'm like Jeff. I was pretty much taken as soon as we got Kara uh, solo. I thought Melissa did a fantastic job. I, I did not watch Glee. I did not watch clips of Glee to get ready for what I was about uh-huh. to, you know, j- uh, watch in this episode. So I was just kind of like left. Um, well, there was like there was room for me to be surprised on how everyone's voices were gonna sound and stuff, and I knew that they could sing. I just didn't know how it sounded, so I just wanted to be surprised by the entire um, episode and by the actors and actresses. So it just, I was already entranced. Like, if anything, I just needed to hear like one song for each, and I was just totally taken. But also, I guess the second thing that really got to me was as soon as Barry and Kara like met up with each other like the magic was there uh, i think nobody here can deny that uh kara and barry just work so well together um anytime they're on screen and it's even better when they have their episodes for it i mean as soon as he came to supergirl last year and now she's over here it's just amazing and it just works so well and i think i i think my favorite part was barry getting into this world and watching Kara sing, and he's just like, I don't know what's happening, but this is adorable. I love this. And, and everybody's uh, the standing ovation and clapping, and he's clapping too. Like, it's just, I miss this. I feel like we really needed this as a breath of fresh air for The Flash and Supergirl for how it ended um, in the previous episode. And we'll get into that. But yeah, I'm with you. I, I'd never actually watched Glee. I was... You know, the, the first time I was familiar with uh, Grant Gustin was from The Flash. The first time I was familiar with uh, Melissa Benoist was, uh, you know, in Supergirl. So, you know, I'd never uh, heard them sing. I'd never, you know, seen them dance or do anything except be the characters uh, that I know them in here in the Arrowverse. So, you know, I was going into it, you know, really hopeful, hoping it would be, you know, a fun episode. And, uh, and yeah, having, you know, uh, Melissa Benoist singing Moon River. And for me, it was when she hit the... You know, the moon was like, okay, that's a pretty good voice. But when she, the way she did River, uh, and yeah, I, I've got the album today off of iTunes, and you know, I've been listening to it, and she's really selling that song well. So mm-hmm. I so, was quite impressed. So I'm the only Gleek here. I'm the only one that's seen Glee. 
Apparently, yes. Yes. I, I will say, I was very impressed by the three Gleeks that were on the show, because they sounded the best that they've ever sounded. Glee, I don't know what Glee used to do back in the day. I feel like they <laughs> did a lot of, like, auto-tuning and that kind of thing, and then mm-hmm. sometimes people didn't sound their best. I guess they were trying to make people sound better, but the auto-tuning didn't necessarily do that, and I think they never really learned that throughout the show's run. But uh, Melissa always had a great voice on Glee, and, and she sounded even better on um, on The Flash. Grant Gustin, when he was on, I'll be honest, I didn't care for his voice because it seemed like overly manufactured. But he sounded phenomenal, uh throughout this entire episode and even uh back in uh, I, I think it was season one where he went to do karaoke with uh, with um caitlin like he sounded fantastic then so I, I have a feeling glee was doing something with him uh, that just it didn't it made him not sound as great as he did and uh darren chris was on glee as well and he was phenomenal as well his his uh voice and his singing and everything so i don't know they were doing something on glee because they didn't sound as great on glee as they did uh, last night uh so Brittany, what were the standout performances and were there any that uh that took you by surprise anything you weren't expecting as a fellow non-gleek um i'm trying to think of all the songs in the episode which i think we only got a couple i mean I think that was the the biggest letdown for me. I guess I just wanted everything to be sung, even like the important conversations. But I think you the, wanted the Evita. One, I did, but the one song I think that really uh, took me by surprise was the the song with Stein and Joe and Malcolm. Like it was just so random. But I loved it, and they all sounded fantastic. I don't even remember the name of the song, but I loved what they that they had the acoustic guitar, and even Barry, you know, Barry sits down in the background, and he's like, "Wow, this is really great." <laughs> I was like, "I was Barry." Yeah, and um, then he and, jumps up and is applauding at the end of it. Yeah, and I mean, we all knew that Joe could sing anyway, in case you know nobody was really familiar with his background in Broadway, and you know. Ha- being able to sing but he sang before when we traveled to earth 2 and we got to see like that side of him but um so i knew he was going to be great but it was just the combination of him and stein and then malcolm out of nowhere i mean people were like why is malcolm going to be in here well this is why and i loved it it was fantastic but my favorite performance was probably um barry's uh solo number at the end of the episode i thought that was probably the highlight of the episode for me personally we'll talk more about uh the individual songs in a minute but yeah like you were saying that uh, that song from guys and dolls that uh joe and stein and malcolm sang uh you know when you have jesse martin starting out you know if if I, you know you have the sense that my god i hate to be the guy who has to follow that but then you know uh you know victor garber comes out you know and and you know sings it in a very different style and reminds you that oh yeah he's a pretty good Broadway actor too, and then you know Barrowman, you know sings in a completely different style as well. So yeah, I thought that was you know uh, very good, and you know uh, you know certainly you know uh, and as you said, you know I think one of the drawbacks to the episode was we did only have uh, you know five songs, uh, two of which were not original. You know Moon River and uh, the song we were just talking about uh, are our old standards. 
So, you know... And, well, no, actually, you know, Put a Little Love in Your Heart is not an original. Oh, sorry. I, I should have included Put a Little Love in Your Heart. Uh, but, um, you know, it would have been nice if this had been, like, a two-hour proper crossover uh, mm-hmm. where we could have had, you know, maybe one or two more songs, maybe heard from a couple more people, or at least given people like uh, Cisco and Wynn more than a couple of lines, uh, yeah. you know, uh, to, to see what they could do. But, you know, we'll talk a little later about uh, how we might build on that. Uh, I think, you know, one thing that uh, Jeffrey was uh, referring to as we were talking about this one in the Supergirl podcast, uh, we talked about whether this episode should be set in a dream world, a fantasy world and alternate Earth, as it was, or set in the real world. Because, you know, in the, uh, the original incarnation of Music Meister in... Uh, in uh, Oh, Batman the Brave and the Bold, he, you know, his powers did work in the real world. Uh, I was, you know, quite skeptical of it happening in a dream world. I thought it should happen in the real world and, you know, seeing the consequence of it interacting. But I actually thought it worked quite well. Uh, you know, having Barry and Kara realize they were characters in a musical allowed them to break the fourth wall and comment on the action. As we were saying, you know, uh, in the song with, uh, as, as Joe and, uh, and Stein are singing, you know, Barry's just sitting down enjoying it and then jumps up clapping at the end of it. And, you know, it gives them that ability to break the fourth wall and sort of, you know, bring the audience in on the joke that, yeah, isn't this absurd, but it's still pretty awesome. So what were your thoughts? Should this have taken place in the real world or did you like how they played it out in, uh, in this dream world? Jeff? Okay, I have many thoughts. So thank you for choosing me first. Okay. So my Gemini spirit is torn because part of me liked that they were in a fantasy world, which I was worried that I was not. And uh, I liked it for the reasons that you just mentioned, Professor X, because they could break the fourth wall. They could comment on the fact that they are in a musical. They could clap. They could be. They could do like the whole Wizard of Oz, like you're Stein. Oh no, you're not Stein. You're not Joe. You're not uh, Cisco, and that kind of thing. That worked for me. And how they built this um, musical universe, how it's in their mind and, and whatnot, and their love of musicals and whatnot, that all made sense, and I was there for the ride. My problem with it still is, I would, I, I think it would have been better had it been in the real world. And this is the type of show where if it happened in the real world, it would make sense just because of the extraordinary villains that we've seen in the past. The only other show that I can sort of liken this to is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Buffy the Vampire Slayer had a musical episode. The the, the sort of like the jump off point of the musical was the fact that there's this demon that was making everyone basically pour their hearts out in song, you know, basically confessing their their true motivations and what they're really feeling through these uh, ballads and, um, you know, musical numbers. I think it would have been better had they done it that way, because then it wouldn't have just been Barry and Kara sort of learning something about themselves and their relationships through song like it could have allowed all of the characters to be involved and everyone could have learned something because at the end of the Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode like every character had confessed how they were really feeling about a particular situation and every character learned something about 
whatever type of relationship they're in, whether they were in a romantic relationship, where, whether they were in a friendship or in a business relationship, they learned something about like the other person that they didn't know before because the other person was scared to say something about it. So just for an overall type of thing oh and and let me also mention that like what they learned in the musical episode like stayed on until like the rest of the season so there were like lasting ramifications from this little one hour musical episode on Buffy so I think it might have been a little bit more neat to have seen other characters go through it, other characters sort of like learning about themselves through song and learning also maybe some of the characters' secrets as well. And if it would have been in the um, real world, like more, I think more people would have had the chance to sing. But I guess, you know, they could have just added a couple more musical numbers in uh, the musical fantasy world as well. Because you have, I didn't know this, but apparently Candace Patton sings. I've seen Keenan Lonsdale's singing on Instagram, and he's got a great voice, and they didn't, he wasn't in the musical uh, element. Uh, and from my understanding, like, there are still other characters, not characters, but other actors and actresses on the show that can sing that didn't get a chance to sing uh, in uh, the musical world. So there's a part of me that thinks it might have been, like, a little bit better had it been in the uh, the real world versus um, in the musical world in their mind. Brittany, what do you think about uh, what Jeff had to say, and, and what do you think about setting it in a dream world rather than the real world? Mm, I totally get what um, what Jeff's saying. Can I ask a um, question I before think... you continue on, Brittany? Has anyone here seen the Buffy musical episode beside myself? No. Yeah, I have. Once more with feeling. Okay, okay. We'll continue on, Brittany. Okay. So I get what, what he's saying, and probably because you've seen that Buffy episode, it probably had a huge influence on um, seeing the flashes. But I feel like that this is okay if we're gonna if we're gonna assume that Music Meister can come back um, for another episode. I think that's their chance to make it bigger and better, and maybe probably have it in the real world um i didn't mind the dream state i thought that they could play with that a lot better like it, like having a setting and here was obviously they i still don't know was, was it the 20s it was the 20s right um and difficult to say they never really established i mean it was a, a dream setting it was you know it was movie musical time it could yeah. be yeah you know, it, it's difficult to say, except, you know, based on, you know, you could look at the costumes, the costuming, mostly. because like the songs were, of course, from completely different times. So you can't really yeah. say. It's yeah, very Moulin Rouge. Yeah. And it's just the way I say that is because of, of what was it? Um, Kara's outfits were mostly reminded me of the 20s with the little um, with first the the gloves, the really long gloves that are like up to your elbow and also how she wears a little hat. Like, the, that's just the style of the 20s. But, yeah, maybe it's a combination the street of everything. Scene, I, I'm wishing now I'd pay more attention to the street scene because there were cars in the street. We could have probably uh, that's true. Uh, locked down the time uh, pretty well by that. Curses. But I didn't even think of it as I was watching it. That's so true. Now I need to go and look at that. But, um... An excuse to rewatch the episode. I know. No, I do, I do think it was probably maybe... The fort, I don't know, whatever. But you know, just 
it was nice seeing a setting for this to take place. Um, especially considering that, um, what was it? The, the music meister had some real consequences in this, uh, in this world, you know, even though we, with the twist is he's actually a good guy. He leaves it to them to survive their own, I guess, um, you know, arc in the episode. He's like the good Freddy Krueger. <laughs> if there was ever oh, a my good gosh. Freddy Krueger. Um, or he was, you know, taking a page out of Sword Art Online. You know, you go in the video game and you can never get out unless you beat it. So, uh, and if you die in there, you die in real life too. So, it was just a lot of cool things to put in the episode. And they really made sure uh, to focus on Barry and Kara. And you could totally tell now after finishing the episode that all the relationship drama was leading up to this episode. So, like, you can tell... Uh, that drama um, was not natural. It was not like organic. It was manufactured just so we can have a resolution in this episode. Um, and I didn't really like that too much, but I was still okay with it. So as long as I don't, I don't know if I can even say this, but if we do get Music Meister later on, I think they should. It should take place in real time. And I think that they, they answered you a little bit, Jeff, because they gave you a real-time song at the end of the episode, which they was did. the highlight for me. I agree. But, um, but since they had something like that there, that could be a little bit of foreshadowing that, um, because they talked about that, that, you know, Kara can sing, well, Barry can sing too, you know, I think that means that maybe next time we can actually have something a little bit real and that will affect all the characters, because you're right, um... This this was specially for Car and Barry, and maybe next time it'll be for everybody. So I would really enjoy that. So I was okay with it. It didn't bother me, but that could be because I've never seen Buffy before, so it didn't, you know, have an effect on me. But I I liked it. I thought it was fine. And now there's room for improvement. Like this was a success. So next time, go big or go home. Exactly. You know, this was a first time trying something just as, you know, the invasion cross. Well, I guess, you know, the invasion crossover wasn't the first crossover, but it was the first, you know, four part crossover. Uh, but it's like, you know, the first time Flash crossed over with Arrow, you know, they didn't go into the same level that they did. You know, you have to prove the concept first uh, and then you can, you know, build on that in future. So my hope is that the ratings were high enough that they look at it and go, hey, this is you know worth pursuing again. Uh, and we'll get to uh, an, an angle of that in a bit. But I did mention, you know, one nice thing that I, I ended up liking about uh, saying it in Dream World was that, you know, uh, you did have Barry and Kara basically there as, you know, outsiders in this thing, commenting on the action, breaking the fourth wall. Uh, did any of their little breaking the fourth wall aside strike you as particularly apt? Are there any that stick in your mind still, you know, a day after watching it? Brittany? Oh, yeah. I think the first thing that made me, like, laugh out loud was probably when... Uh, Music Meister was introducing himself and talking to Barry and Kara the second time. Oh, no, 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 no the very first time. And uh, right before they break into the big song, and he's taking off his coat, and Barry's like, don't take off your coat. And he throws the coat, and he's like, where did it go? Like, it was just so funny, and I don't know why. But that's, I think, the only way that they could, um, what they could do in the dream state. But obviously, we kind of got the feeling that this guy is kind of like Mixie. 
from a previous episode in Supergirl this season. I think he's like from another dimension. I wish he could have said something about that in the episode. So he ha- he's pretty OP. So the fact that they twisted that he's good was probably the best thing that they would they could do for his character. So we'll talk we'll talk more about the yes, Easter a little yeah. later. So um but for for now that's the one that sticks with me. I think Barry was uh just the the highlight and this is what I've been missing about him this entire season. Not that he doesn't have a right to be a little mopey and angry this season, but just I I don't know if it's cuz he's when he's with Kara and him and, and him and Kara just they bring that out in each other, but I'm glad that uh, halfway through the episode, they just kind of know, you know, I'm just going to enjoy what I see here. And he just enjoys it. And, I mean, right after that scene, too, uh, they break into the big first song. And you kind of see Barry, you know, start to get into it, like, about to dance. And he, it was just, just great. I think Barry's uh, little quips were the ones that really got me to laugh in this episode. They almost put him in the Cisco mode for this yeah. episode. In that, you know, he was slightly outside of the action commenting on it and and yeah for me too I, I caught that bit with the uh the coat and just thought to myself okay this is how they're gonna play it and you know and they revisited it later on with examples of that and jeffrey were there any uh uh moments of uh, fourth wall breaking that particularly stuck out to you well i loved all of the like the surprise looks on everyone's faces when they saw like the people that they know like the, for the malcolm merlin one was like really funny because merlin is a villain and he has to explain to Kara that he's a villain, and like, uh, you know, and, and uh, uh, Cutter was like, "Who's Merlin?" And it was I, I loved those moments. Like every single time it happened, it just got me. Like I, I had a little chuckle um, when we saw Stein, and he was like, "Not Stein," and then all of a sudden Joe came in, and like you just saw like a look of like wonderment over Barry's eyes, like, "Oh my gosh, it's Joe, but it's not Joe." I love those moments, and and uh, I mean we sort of mentioned it already, but um, after the um, the 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 Joe and Stein uh, duet, or at least it was a duet from uh, Barry's point of view when Barry clapped, I thought that was really cute, and also the the shock that moment where he was he was shocked by the fact that Joe and Stein were um, Iris's or Millie's fathers. Like, he was like, dads? Dad? And they were like, you got a problem with that? And he was like, no, I, I, I like musicals. Like, <laughs> I, I thought that was a really good moment. And I thought they sold it well, too, because, like, uh, when uh, when Millie first said dads, I was thinking, about did she say dads? And then, you know, they actually had him play off it. Yeah. Uh, oh. Which, uh, you know, uh, brought the joke uh, a little more foregrounded. Exactly. And the whole... Um, uh, Iris and Monel being a couple, although I called it like when she, when Iris was like, or Millie, I should say, was like, oh God. I was like, okay, she's either making out or she's having sex. And yeah, they're going. And, yeah, and then I was like, they're going to catch him. And like, she just mentioned that she's going to punch Monel the next time she sees him. So it's going to be Monel. And I was like, it's going to be so weird seeing both of those characters making out. But I know we're going to see it. And then we saw it. And then their reactions were priceless. Like, oh, why are you doing that? I know. And Barry was so jealous every time, you know, uh, Iris was just like on Monel or leaning on him. It was just. It was just great. That was a really great job. Um, probably the most cliche and easiest thing for the writers to do, but it just it worked so well. Yeah. And they comment on that later. So yeah, that was pretty. That was pretty great. 
Yeah, I, I was in the same boat of, you know, as soon as we heard what was going on behind the door. And of course, setting up the, I'll kick the door in. Wait a minute, why should you kick the door in? Oh, oh that was so that good. Was, we'll kick it in together. Yes, um, I wasn't trying to be, was you know. Thinking, yeah, she's going to be in Monel's arms. Uh, so anyway, let's uh, talk a little bit about the music. Uh, what was your favorite song and why? And then I'm going to tell you why you were wrong. Brittany, let's start with you. Huh. Oh, okay. This is, I feel like this is a trick question. Because since it is a musical, I feel like the musical part took place in the dream. And then we had an extra song at the end. So I feel like you I can can't... include that as your favorite song if you want. But I don't feel like it connects to the theme of the dream for me. She's going to be very that... difficult. I am. I'm sorry. But like my favorite was um, definitely... I. I know Jeff was saying that he didn't like it, but I loved the Super Friends song. Uh, I me too. loved I it. I absolutely loved it. And if they Woo-hoo! do more musicals, I want more Rachel Bloom in there. Yeah, it was it was like I don't know how to explain it. I just really enjoyed it. It's probably the thing I was looking forward to the most. Um, their duet. I was like, oh my god, what is it gonna be? You know, like how is it and it just it flowed so well and the little quips from Barry, like, I'll see you in a flash or I'll be there in the flash and you know, and she says something about you can go back in time, and he's like, "Well, I can't do that anymore." Like it was just, it was great, and I, and it really showed that um, the the woman who wrote the the lyrics, she totally understands uh, both shows and both characters, and I just thought it it made sense and it was fun. That was like the fun part for me. Like I just, I love Barry and Kara, so then for them to sing together and dancing, they did that well. It was just fun and that was like the highlight for me but my favorite song was the the solo song for Barry to Iris the first proposal that we should have had for the first time not the third time and certainly not right now I still think it's rushed but you know whatever it was still well done by Grant he definitely shined in that song they've been together over a year Yeah, so. so I'm saying that's not rushed. Like if they had just started dating like two months ago, it, I would say that's rushed. They've been together for a little while and they've known each no, other for I, a long time. No, remember I was telling you that for me when I'm watching a TV show, especially knowing that The Flash is very, very successful and Arrow's already going to get a sixth season and we're barely in the third of Flash, I feel like they could have waited a little bit more. Um, to so they don't pack all the good fandom stuff like right now. They can wait for for them to be maybe. I guess maybe if they're engaged for longer than they've been dating, or or no, not that they've been dating, but if they're engaged for a year and then they get married, I'll be okay with that. That's yeah, which which they could do that. It's I just, think that it's it's, just, it's been a little too fast. Oh, I see what you did not, there. Uh, it's been a little too fast. But now that they've kind of come to terms with why Barry was moving so fast with Iris, it's kind of okay. But I still thought that um, it's a little prob like it's just, it still feels like something's wrong with that for me because I feel like now I'm a little bit more scared for Iris in terms of Savitar. Iris, you um, in danger, girl. Yeah, because so far I've been I've been thinking she's in the clear because like she's gonna be okay but now that they're happily engaged and everyone's like up to speed haha <laughs> um, oh gosh 
it doesn't bode well for her. And I don't think that, again, if I think that she is going to die, it's not going to be in the way that we um, know death in this universe. I don't think she's going to stay dead. I think they'll have to look for her or something, but that's just like looking to the future. But uh, either way, that song and the way he sung it to Iris was just the perfect proposal. They really, really fixed that up. And I thought that that was great. Did you say uh, perfect what... proposal? Proposal. Okay, yeah. it sounded like you said proposal. I was like, okay. Proposal. Oh. Uh, Jeffrey, what was your favorite song and why? Okay. Obviously, it wasn't Super Friends, even though that was a fantastic song written by the incomparable Rachel Bloom. And I encourage all listeners to go out and watch the last season of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, a brilliant and criminally underwatched show, also on the CW. Just set your DVR for eight o'clock on the CW every night of the week. And uh, you'll get Crazy Ex-Girlfriend on Fridays when it comes back. There you go. Shameless plugs. Um, can I explain why I didn't like Superfriend? Or are we doing an entire segment about maybe a song that you didn't like? I don't want to jump the gun. Well, I'm assuming we're not all monsters. So there wouldn't be any songs we didn't like. But apparently we have a monster here. So go ahead. Here's your chance for a rebuttal to Brittany. But okay. Bear in mind, Brittany bears uh, grudges. I know she does. Um, and she bears bears. Um, okay. The reason I didn't like Superfriend was because, much like Rebuttal Brittany... over. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> much, much like Brittany, I was really looking forward to it. And as I was watching it, like, it was, it was cutesy. But by the end of it, I just found it to be, like, ridiculously cheesy. Like, it was trying too hard to be sort of like cutesy musically with all the quips and the puns which some of them work some of them fell a little flat in my opinion and i was like a little flat little musical joke there yes and uh i don't know it just like at the end of it it just didn't work for me and i was like this is from the crazy ex-girlfriend lady so i was like if this is what crazy ex-girlfriend is like then i probably would not like it but and I'm a fan of musicals. I would say I'm Barry and Carish, in in that type of sense. I love an old school musical, but it just the song for me. It, uh, maybe I built it up too much because it was their duet, and the the episode was called Duet. It just I don't know. It didn't work for me. But uh, let's get to some positive. For the most part, I enjoyed every other musical number. If I had to pick just hands down a favorite as in one that I would probably listen to the most on my iPod it would probably be Moon River um, as far as just like a show-stopping number though that you would expect to see in a musical episode put a little love in your heart was like perfect it gave us the most amount of characters singing together and just seeing like the wonderment in um, Kara and uh, Barry's eyes just like watching everything was beautiful because they were literally like on stage together like in the middle of a club getting sort of like an explanation of what's going on by the music meister and then bam the entire club came to life in song and dance and and Barry was like starting to get into it. I don't know if anyone noticed, but as everyone oh, was yeah, dancing yeah. together, like Barry was starting to do the moves, and he was he really wanted to jump on in and start dancing with all of them. Um, yes, yeah, so, so you got the uh, the correct answer there, but for the wrong reason because Ooh. the reason why "Put a Little Love in Your Heart" was the uh, best song 
is because if you think about it, the music meister is kicking off the whole thing, right? He's saying he's he's outlined. Okay, you're in a musical. You're going to have to find your way out, and then he gives them the solution to the end, which means he tipped his hand that he's actually a good guy. Because what is the song? Put a little love in your heart. Mm. What was the way out of it? They had to find a way to put a little love in their hearts. So that song, I think, was not just some random choice or some excuse to have a big dance number. You know, that was a very carefully chosen song. And you know, if you were thinking about it in retrospect, it's like Music Meister was saying, "Look, you guys, just pay attention to what I'm saying in this song." Uh, but of course, uh, no one does. So yeah. look at you, Professor X. I'm telling you. Um, so we find out later that uh, you know, Music Meister, far from being a big bad, is uh, you know, uh, you know, kind of. He's a big good. He's a big good, or you're certainly <laughs> a benevolent figure in this episode. What do you think about the villain, the music meister, in this episode overall, like throughout, and then the reveal at the end, Brittany? Well, I thought he was fine. I liked him. I don't think anything really particularly stood out from him, but that's probably because of Mixes Pitalik from from Supergirl's previous episode this season. Um, I feel like he was probably around the same dimension, or if not another one. He, I, I felt like he was some kind of imp too. But the guy that was uh, Mixes Piddlick was just a lot better. He was more, uh, you know, mischievous, or, you know, like, he was just... I don't know, he brought out something different, and while Darren did well, and he sang well... Um, I didn't really feel too much about him. Like, he didn't even... I was kind of actually disappointed that he didn't even get, like, a villain song or, or track for himself. I think there we could have really understood what kind of person he was. Um, or what kind of... If he was what kind of villain or good guy he was. But the twist of him being good, I think, uh, kind of made up for that. So I feel like if he does come next time, he can come back bigger and better. And it kind of makes sense as to why he gets a book deal as one of the headlines that we get for the for the to change. How? Uh, cha yeah, well, because we, we, no one's really seen him in action. He wouldn't be, you know, he, he didn't do anything that anyone saw. And then he just vanished into the ether at the end. Yeah, and he's kind of OP too. So I was like, they needed to find a way to make sure that he wasn't going to be too... Um, you know, crazy for Car uh, for Car and Barry, which is why I'm glad that they make him good. I mean, he's so good. Oh, I don't want to say so good because everybody escapes from Star Labs, but he escapes from his cell huh? like nothing. So I mean, uh, I mean, we make all the jokes you want about people breaking in all the time and walking in, but no one's really been able to get out of the the cages unless someone lets them out. But this guy just came out of nowhere, so. Um, I thought he did fine. He he was very uh, charismatic and he was funny and the little coat thing was great. He did well, but it wasn't too impressive. But that just leaves room for improvement if he comes back next time. So I didn't hate him, but I liked him. But I feel like there was there could have been a little bit more. But it's probably because I feel like Mixes Piddlelick did a better job. And I only say that because I consider that they have like the same powers, uh, kind of godlike powers. So um, I think this is kind of, I think having that episode kind of just uh, overshadowed uh, Darren in this episode. I think um, you're right to a certain extent. Following up uh, Mrs. Pitalik, uh, yeah, with a character who is, you know, now their powers are different. Mrs. Pitalik, you know, is obviously working in the real world. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Music Meister's working in a dream world. Uh, Jeffrey, what do you think uh, first about our, our villain, the Music Meister, and any thoughts on who or what the Meister really is? I liked the Music Meister. I thought uh, he was a lot of fun. I, uh, I, I can see what uh, Brittany's saying as far as like comparing him with Mixie, which Kara kind of did too. She was like, "Oh, I'm sick of all these imps uh, and and fighting them and all this kind of thing." So I, I get that, but I saw him as a completely different type of person just because of his powers were like really different. I wish that we did get the chance to actually explore who he was like his powers and that kind of thing i hate that it was hr that was like you know who are you like where are you from because his answer was perfect for hr like i'm not gonna explain it to you it you know it'd be too complex for you to even think uh, you know to, to to even understand and comprehend and then he like vanishes and i'm like oh like really dude like why couldn't like Caitlin have asked that question, and then he would have been like, well, I am from the sixth dimension uh, in the, you know, this atmosphere and, and system and whatever, I don't, whatever. But I wish we would have gotten some more information on him. But he just, like, vanished. And we have a, um, a headline featuring him in the future, and after what we saw in this episode... I still have no clue how that headline happens. So, I guess we'll see. And the other thing that they didn't really explain was, as they were in the dream world, their powers were being siphoned by the Music Meister. And so he had, like, their exact powers. Like, he was running fast like the Flash, he was flying, and he had the heat vision like Kara, Supergirl. But we never really got the sense as to like why he was doing that besides i guess you know showing kid flash and the martian manhunter flying together fighting uh, a villain together because it looked like he was about to rob the bank i think is where he was but then when they arrived like he had nothing on him so that was like very weird and confusing because that i think that yeah. i no, I was just about to say, like, it, it, it just, at the end, like, once we found out what he was trying to do, unless he was lying at the end, um, <laughs> like, what was the point of that chase? Like, his character was confusing because they never really explained anything, and maybe they didn't explain anything because he will return at some point. I don't know if they would do a musical a season, but maybe a musical every, every other season, and... Uh, I don't know if Professor X is going to ask this, so I'm just going to put it out there, and Professor X, if you're going to ask this later, we can discuss this later. Like, can we see him invading any of the other shows? Like, I think Supergirl maybe we makes sense. We are going to ask that question. Okay, so then I won't even go into it. Uh, uh, Brittany, you're about to rebuttalize me, so rebuttal me, baby. Oh, yeah, no, that because of the twist that we get later on and he just wanted to help everybody i think all of that like stealing their powers or whatever was for the dream state for them to be like normal humans dealing with normal um you know, you know their hash like quote unquote um normal love lives so that was like part of his thing but that also worked for him to kind of kick wally in the butt to like um be a hero again and stop being like you know scared even though it's only been i guess a week for him i'm like bro he can he can still mourn a little bit he can still be a little bit traumatized but um the music meister wanted to help out wally so he took the power while taking the powers 
he pretended, you know, to rob a bank so that everyone can stop him. But mostly it was about uh, Kid Flash kicking it into gear and not being afraid to go back out there. And he, he, he accomplished that. He let himself get knocked out, get into the cage because he could escape anyway. But the point was for Wally to get the confidence back. All of which plays into my theory that the Music Meister is actually, wait for it. Jay Garrick. No. Greg Berlanti or Andrew Kreisberg. Think about <laughs> it. He's oh. an outside figure who knows everything, who says, you know, I watch everything, mm-hmm. who is tired of the way they're doing things and just steps in to correct things when they've gone. That sounds like a showrunner to me. And that's why he would have had to say, I couldn't possibly explain it. You wouldn't understand you're just figments of our imagination. Oh gosh, that's well, too funny. You're getting all well, see, uh, psychedelic well, on us. Was that it was a manifestation of the anger of the audience towards the characters, you know, uh, you know, especially after the end of Supergirl. It's just like, for God's sakes. Uh, but then I realized, no, it works much better. And, and, you know, it plays off, you know, I like your idea that, you know, the reason uh, that uh, Music Meister stole their powers, you know, wasn't to rob the bank, which, you know, obviously... With Supergirl's powers, he could have done in seconds. And with, you know, super speed, he could have done in seconds. Yet he waited around to get caught. He was either yeah. doing that, you know, again, from the benevolent helping out uh, Kid Flash uh, point of view. Or imagine if you were, you know, uh, Andrew Kreisberg or Greg Berlanti and you suddenly had the powers of the Flash and Supergirl. Of course you'd run around, try to get in a fight, rob a bank. It's what we'd all do. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's what I truly believed he was doing. He was just actually helping out every mostly everyone that needed help in the episode and the people that were having the trouble were you know our main our main heroes with their love lives and wally going through his ptsd from the speed force so um music meister just like really helped out everybody they he wrapped up everything in a pretty little bow and then just like vanished and it was just really random it was so random that when when they woke up they were like really that's it (laughs) like you just wanted to help us so it was it was a nice breath of fresh air and a really like little nice twist for us so well they did learn to put a little love in their hearts yes get back to uh, his opening number yeah Uh, to quote a a movie musical which also was a broadway musical chicago all he cared about is love well speaking of love okay i'm going to do a slightly different segue here i was going to segue into something else but since you give me that segue about love what did you think about uh you know the meister's message to uh, barry and Carr that love is letting yourself be saved based on what we've seen about the behavior and some of the things we've talked about in the characters of, uh, of Barry and particularly Kara, you know, uh, Kara sort of being, you know, a bit selfish in being, you know, insisting that, no, I'm the only one who can be the hero. Uh, and, uh, and, and Barry, you know, you know, always arguing that, no, this is me. I have to do this. Uh, you know, what do you think about that argument that, you know, that's what love is letting yourself be saved, especially if you're someone like Barry or Kara, Brittany. Well, for Kara, I really like that, you know, because she's a newbie at this. I mean, you could only use that excuse for so long, but for her, it kind of makes sense. This is the season of her learning to uh, be a superhero while holding down a relationship, which is supposed to be, you know, the most normal thing that you can, you know, try to have, whether you're a superhero or not. It's the one thing that's supposed to keep you grounded, as well as, you know, your friendships with your friends or your sister. But um, your love life is also a part of that as well. So she took the leap by dating Monel, and uh, and it's a pretty big leap. And only because if you know you watch Supergirl and you know the history of who Monel is and where he comes from, in contrast to who 
Kara is and where she comes from, it's a little bit tricky. It's a little bit weird. It they're star crust, uh, crust. Wow, star crossed um, lovers, and you know they're they're right, kind of like rivals, but not really. And um, it just it just made you under it, it made you appreciate or it made Kara um, learn to appreciate to like listen and not be too judgy. Um, and in this relationship, because that was the one thing we were complaining about, uh, you know, if you watch our Supergirl podcast, I mean, if you listen to our Supergirl podcast, which you should, you should also check out. Yes, um, the National City Tribune, shameless plug. You can watch us too, but... Uh, that's creepy. In your mind. Yeah, that, yeah that's pretty creepy. Um, we talked a lot about how we didn't like that um, the way Kara is with being judgmental, maybe a little bit, um, you know stubborn and especially when it comes to Monel because he's a Daxamite and of their history so I just love that she learns to listen and they kind of figure out their own problem which I thought was quite clever on the writers um um well I don't know where I was gonna go with that but they're just very it's very clear for the writers that they do that for both Barry and Carr in the episode where they're with their respective um lovers and they're trying to help them tell their fathers that they're in love and Kara's like you know maybe if you just listen to him and I'm like oh Kara can you take your own advice and that's exactly what this was and I do believe that Kara has said before that she's afraid of feeling vulnerable and um especially in uncharted territory which it is with Monel. it's new and it's fresh and she's learning but for a relationship it's a little bit different I'm glad she's kind of different uh She's kind of understanding that now, that you need to listen and you need to not be so judgy with your boyfriend, especially if the intentions aren't to hurt them. And for Barry, um, this whole season or this whole second half has, has been about him saving Iris. And it's like, well, who's going to save Barry when this is all over? And he just kind of lost sight of that. The fear of losing her made him lose sight of, of what's really important. Uh, between him and Iris and especially with his breakup last episode oh lord that was the most terrible breakup I've ever seen um but it just comes full circle and I really love that the power that the that they went a little bit of once upon a time in here uh true love's kiss literally broke the spell I thought that was so fantastic but that's probably because I'm a once upon a time uh fan so I'm I hope Kara learns, not just in her relationships, but with everyone, uh, or her love relationship, but with everyone else, not to be so judgy and, you know, not listening. But I think there's a consistency here. She's learning. Because she was like that with James and Wynn. Now she was like this with Monel, and now she can kind of fix that. That's one of Kara's flaws. And Barry, he needs to learn not to be a dick. So... <laughs> And to be and to place too much burden on himself, he does need help, but he shouldn't place all the burden on someone else like he was doing with Wally. So, I hope our heroes come out from this and that there's some consistency. I don't want any character regression because that gets me really mad, and I'll quit the show. I'm just kidding. I won't. But yeah. uh, Jeffrey, what did you think about the Meister's message? Okay, well, Brittany just gave us a term paper, <laughs> but she said a lot of what I was gonna say. So. Uh, copy, me. paste, uh, <laughs> that kind of thing. Well, she she gave, yeah, she gave, she gave a lot of what I would have given. So, 
I will just echo certain parts and say that um, I liked that uh, he basically showed them that it's okay to be vulnerable in that kind of sense because both of the characters had a lot of like walls built up like they were the ones that had to save or they were the ones that were right and their you know they were their judgments were correct and this that or the other and uh, through uh, just seeing the relationship in the musical of uh, Iris and Monel like they figured out you know what was right and and that they were wrong in, in their uh, thought process seeing Carl's realization and barry's realization like while he's talking to uh, the musical parents is the musical the parents in the musical w was like fantastic to see like you could see as they were like saying what they were saying like oh my gosh that applies to them and they're gonna realize it and they did and they they had a bit of character growth which was really nice to see moving um, on yes moving on different. uh okay so we're gonna switch things up now i am the music meister or as the people of your world know me greg berlanti let me just move aside some of my ginormous piles of money okay so the show was a success. We got our highest ratings in weeks. We're going to do it again. I'm going to be the music meister. I'm going to visit. I want you to pitch me on what Arrowverse show I should be visiting next and how we should handle it. Jeffrey, you've clearly been thinking about this. Let's start with you. Yes. I think definitely the next Arrowverse show that should have it because it just makes the most sense because, I mean, no offense to her because I like her as, as a character in and of itself, and, and this might be sort of insulty-ish, but I don't mean it in that kind of way, but Kara really is like the female Barry. Like, they are very much alike in a lot of different ways. And as far as just characteristics and quirkiness, it just makes the most sense for it to happen on Supergirl. And uh, from my understanding, uh, Shyler Lee, who plays uh, Kara's sister, um, she, she can sing. And I don't know if the rest of the cast can as well, but uh, I think it would be most appropriate on Supergirl. The one that I would love to see it on, just because it would be kind of like a mind fuck, is Arrow. Because they're so dark and gloomy and morose that uh, a bright and shiny musical would just be like a complete... 180 from um, what the characters are like at the moment and I don't know if any of the cast is really musical Brittany might know that because she stalks all the cast members on Instagram but uh, true. yes but it, it would be kind of neat to see on Arrow um, and since there's just one other show, so I apologize, Professor X, I, I cheated and I, I've mentioned all the shows. Legends... Someone who was complaining about someone doing a term paper. Good Lord, you're trying to steal everything from her. I know, I apologize. I don't know if it would make sense on Legends, um, but that would be kind of interesting in and of itself, because Legends is kind of just loopy by itself. Uh, adding in musical elements would just make it even more loopy. But Brittany, do you agree with anything that I just said, or do you have your own thoughts? Go. Hey, who's the music meister here? I know, I just took control. I apologize. Who do you You're think you control, are, Andrew Kreisberg? I yeah. know, right? No, I'm Mark Pedowitz. Ooh. It's called the Berlantiverse, pal. 
Well, yeah, there you go. go to the go to Star Labs cage and sit and think about what you've done. Brittany, what would you pitch me uh, to do uh, another crossover, or maybe a crossover, maybe just a self-contained? But where should the uh, the music meister settle down next? Yeah, I, I I think it has to be Supergirl because the only way I see him going to Arrow is definitely if it's a dream state and it's funny. It's not the first time that Arrow's done some like weird stuff. I mean, I, I know uh, not a lot of fans were happy with uh, season four. Me, I didn't like season four of the second half, which did have some weird episodes, like that B episode, which was totally not Arrow, but they still did it. So, and then the crossover oh, episode. Oh, the for bees. This, yeah, and the crossover episode for Arrow this season was them being in a dream state of something that was a little bit more grounded, but nonetheless, they were in a dream state. So, if Music Meister comes back and we can have some of the Arrow cast um, in it, that'd be really fantastic. I know um, Stephen Amell has a really great voice. Um, I'm not sure about Willa. I've never heard her sing, but I wouldn't be surprised if she was she had something. Um, Emily Bett can sing well. Uh, that cast has a lot of videos on um, on YouTube. You should check them out from Comic Con. They sang. Uh, some of the Hamilton songs, so you can kind of get a, you know, a groove or you know something of from of how they would sound, and of course Malcolm Merlin, obviously. Yeah. So I don't know about David Ramsey. I don't know if I want Diggle to have some kind of solo, or you know, I I don't know, man, maybe. Um, but Stephen Amell's been kind of like saying that he doesn't want that, which is weird because he would probably sound the best. Um, if. W- Wishing I would want it to be Arrow, definitely. Um, more realistically, I would prefer Supergirl. And with this episode, I was kind of sad of the Dream State because I did want, like, Wynn and Cisco to meet each other. Um, yeah. You know, that that was the one thing I've been wanting, and Wynn to meet uh, Felicity. Those have been, like, the, the crossovers I've been wanting. But they did get to meet, you know, Martian Manhunter, so that was great. But, yeah, and then Chris Wood can sing as well. So if they go to Supergirl and then just call Barry for help, and Barry's gonna be like, "Oh no, not that guy! I don't want to come! I don't want to go! I'm sorry." <laughs> so um, yeah, and I hope it's a two-parter. I think one episode was okay. I think two episodes could be really phenomenal. More songs. So, yeah, more songs, more duets, more interaction. Like it could be a lot of fun. Yeah, I I agree with you, and and like that whole tease on Supergirl of like when like oh this was made by Cisco, I need to meet yeah! this guy, and like they I didn't even meet. Well, they met in their musical uh, um, imaginary selves met. Yeah, I thought he could have come uh, with uh, with both um, Hank and Monel. You know, he was already on set. World. Yeah. So I was a little sad about that, but um, I, and just to add to that, I think Jeremy Jordan, who plays Wynn, was probably the breakout star for me in this episode, even though he didn't uh, have too many lines or his own song, but his voice was just, wow. He's a, he was a Broadway, like, big yeah. deal on Broadway. You never yeah, saw him? Yeah. You never saw Smash? No. Oh, okay. I, I he was in Twitter, the second so season. He- yeah, see, I do follow him on Twitter, and he's always posting about his shows, and I looked up a couple of his videos, so I know he sounds 
amazing, but I feel like even in the episode, knowing how he sounds, he really stuck out. He sounded fantastic. See, I'd never heard John Barrowman sing, and so that was a surprise for me, like a revelation. Because <laughs> I'm, you know, because he's Malcolm Merlin, he's like this evil dude, and I'm like, he's got a great singing voice. Did he needs to sing everything. That, yeah, did you notice too that Monel in that in that dream sequence was named Tommy? Yes. The feels. The feels. Professor X, <laughs> our music meister, where would you like to see the music happen? Well, I'd like to thank you both for your pitches, but I think we'll be going in a different direction. Uh, oh, my gosh. I'm going gosh. to uh, do a, uh, an Arrow uh, musical version. Uh, I'm going to go uh, find some Seattle grunge musicians. And then I'm going to get the team from Lego, uh, the Lego movie that did the Lego Batman song. And we're just going to have uh, Arrow sing that because we rip everything else off of Batman. Why wouldn't we rip off Lego Batman? The shade. If I can uh, go okay. back and pitch again, go, go ahead. I think it would be nice for him to come back to The Flash. Just because there are many other Flash uh, mm-hmm. actors and actresses that can sing. And it would be great to see them singing. Either that or maybe they'll do another karaoke episode where at the end you know, of a long day everyone goes and does a little karaoke. Entirely possible, and I certainly do hope that we see Music Meister back again. I mean, whether it's a uh, you know a once a, a year thing or once every couple of years, I do think it's it's an interesting uh, element. Now, the problem is because they spoil the fact that he is a benevolent figure. You know, anytime he appears, you know, it's uh, it, it sort of lowers the stakes, and you know, I think could create problems uh, for him going forward unless we find out something about the character uh, in the future. Yeah, so we touched on the idea that, about the way that uh, the writers used this episode. It wasn't, you know, a purely out-of-continuity episode. They used it to resolve the problems uh, that both of our leads have been having with their love lives. Uh, and at the end of it, you know, after that uh, touching song that Barry sang to Iris, you know, they are engaged again, which means Iris presumably will be wearing her ring, which means, da-da, they did change the future. And also, as Jeffrey pointed out, you know, there was no point in this for Music Meister to do anything visible enough to get that book deal. So maybe they've changed the future in a couple of ways. What do you guys think uh, about the uh, the future changing regarding Iris and where we stand going forward? I'm wondering if this, if this engagement is just like a change, but also that the Music Meister still gets a book deal. Because obviously this guy is good and they didn't do anything to stop him from getting a book deal and apparently nobody can stop but him what did the they do powers. to like push him to getting one like i get your argument like they didn't stop him from getting a book deal but like what what did they do that would guarantee that he would get a book deal though and a six-figure book let deal him do that, whatever so. let him do whatever he wanted like, oh my gosh it, like they they did put him in a cell like to keep him there but that didn't do anything like this guy's a god but he also has other things to do. But on his list of priorities, it was to resolve the love stuff. So he came and did that, and now it's to go do book stuff. Like, it, I noticed that, or it was a theory of mine, that even if they wanted to change the headlines, the key headlines that they saw, I didn't think they were, they were going to change all of them. I thought yeah. that they would change other things that maybe don't really pertain to the headlines themselves. But, um that some of the stuff there was still going to stay the same. So I'm trying to think of right now what they've changed so far, which was the that plunder guy, plunder. that Kid Flash did it. Um, now 
uh, Barry and Iris are engaged. Uh, there's no Gorilla City attack. That it didn't really happen. It kind of almost happened, but it didn't really happen. No, there was no casualties. Yeah. There was the murder in the restaurant, though. Yeah, see, that murder was there. So, see, there's still some stuff that is still coming true and other stuff that hasn't. We just need to see, like, later on, which is going to be the breaking point of what's going to change it. Or that maybe they're changing the circumstances, but they're not going to change the outcome, mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. He never so, called himself Music Meister, right? That was what Barry called him. So yeah, how, Barry calls him that, too. How would the press know that his name is Music Meister? Because he's, gonna, he's, actually, he's an actual person. He liked person. the name? I don't think, yeah, I don't think he's like on the run and nobody knows about him. I, he, he looks like he's like in society and stuff, even though he has powers. Like He's not like Mixie and that's like there to do like impish stuff. This guy is there to help people, and he wants to write a book, and he's gonna be like, like you know, like that. So, and maybe he's like, yeah, my name's Music Meister. I have powers. So what? And it wouldn't make sense in the Flash, like in Central City. Like he's a good meta. I think people would be kind of happy about that, and they would want to read his book. I know it's so weird, but like I'm okay with that. Like I think that's what they were trying to give us, especially with telling us that he's not a villain. So. Uh, so we end the episode on a really high note, music mm -hmm. pun, uh, ah. even though this season of The Flash has been pretty dreary. So where do you think we go from here? What, we've got, what, five, six episodes left in the run? Uh, Jeffrey, what are we going to be seeing happening? Well, we're going to continue on seeing Barry trying to figure out how to stop Savitar, obviously. We're going to have that dramatic confrontation and we've sort of been discussing it throughout the entirety of, of the season, and in particular from like out from from the start of the season, that more than likely it will not be Iris who dies; that someone else will take her place. There will be a death; it just won't be Iris. I I know that the the initial thought has always been kind of Joe, and now I really don't want Joe to die. So I hope that it's someone like HR. Sorry, HR. Um, or Julian, although I hope... Julian is dating Caitlyn, so... I know, but I hope that this is the season where they fix that trope. Because if not, it's just going to be like the same thing every season. Like, wh whoever uh, Caitlyn is dating, they die. So, I hope that they fix that, because I'm actually really liking Julian on the team. Um, but there's a part of me that really feels like Savitar is Barry. And if it's Barry... and a future version of Barry like I don't think Barry can kill his future self so he's gonna realize even though he said that he can't do it anymore that he's probably gonna have to go back in time to fix it in the sense that fix it so that there was never even an idea of Flashpoint because Savitar w was born from Flashpoint um, and, and yeah and then you know stuff is going to mess up and maybe when he goes back in time it'll erase julian from existence or something like that i don't know but what i thought was really interesting about this episode is that if you are a supergirl fan and you did not watch this episode much like what happened on invasion in the um in, in one of the episodes where there was a bit of uh plot progression in uh, like cisco's um 
I don't know what you want to call it, hatred of Barry, and then all of a sudden they were cool because he understood, and that didn't happen in the Flash episode of Invasion. If, if you are a Supergirl fan and you didn't watch this episode, like, next week is going to be hella confusing. Like, you're going to really have to watch that previously on, because, previously on uh, Supergirl and the Flash, because that'll sort of explain that Kara forgave Monel, and I guess they're back together, sort of, yeah, so... If you yeah, didn't. I think that's the yeah, and I had the same thought, which is that wow, yeah, because you do have to be careful about that, uh, or maybe they're just thinking themselves, look, you guys, it was on free TV. If you don't watch it, your own fault. Exactly, which is true. So, yeah, if they didn't watch it, then they will be confused next week. But um, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what's to come. I'm fascinated by this whole Savitar storyline, and uh, some of the actors have been stating that uh, a lot of the characters are supposed to be figuring out who Savitar is, but that we won't know. I guess maybe until like the last moment, which that's going to be an interesting reversal of what they've shown on the Flash thus far in previous seasons. We That'd usually be a weird always thing to portray out. too, wouldn't it? Exactly. So I don't know how they're going to do that, but maybe because they're doing that change, maybe Julian will end up surviving and uh, he'll uh, be all romantical with uh, Caitlin. Maybe. I don't know. I'm excited to see what Wally's going to be doing too. Now that, um, to steal a line from how they described the cowardly line, he's found his courage. Put him up. Put him up. That's another musical reference. Uh, Brittany, where do you think we're going in the upcoming episodes? Well,. They kind of figured out the romantic stuff, so I don't think we're going to have any more drama romantically, um, finally, thank God. But I was still right. I said we would have angst, and we got it, and it was resolved in a musical. I don't know how to feel about that. But we're done with that, so now it's time to kick into high gear and see what's going to happen with, uh, with Savitar. And we do have a couple episodes left, so... I'm kind of wondering if we're celebrating too soon because it's barely episode 17. We have 23 episodes and I'm wondering what can be so crazy that can happen in like six episodes. And actually a lot can. And like I said, because we're in a good place with Barry and Iris, I feel like something's going to happen and not between them, but like around them that's going to affect them. So... What I mean by this is if indeed our theory that we've been saying that Joe is going to die, I don't know if that'll bring Barry and Iris closer together or tear them apart. Um, especially knowing that she's supposed to die and because they've been changing it so much, it ended up changing it to be Joe and she's going to feel guilty. Um, or that now that she's finally legitimately engaged to Barry that this might be the turning point of it actually her actually having Iris die and then next season's about finding her or reviving her or something. So I have a couple things going in my head, but it just really depends on maybe the next like three episodes of where we're going to go. Um, and I don't know what to say about Wally yet. Uh, there's, a, there's that whole is Wally Savitar or is Barry Savitar? I don't really know at this point. I need more Savitar episodes. Um, and we also need to see what's going to happen with Killer Frost. We got the vision. We haven't gotten anything about her lately. So I need to know what's going to happen with her. But I'm still with... I don't know who said it uh, before that she might kill Julian. And that will make her turn into Killer Frost. Like, officially. 
and joined Savitar, so... I mean, hmm. there, there's some, there's a lot of stuff still left to talk about, but um, I don't know. I, I'm a little bit. I feel like all the stuff that I had before is kind of gone because of where we are now. So I need like another three episodes to start theorizing. But um, I still think Joe's gonna die. But with this engagement and then being all happy, kind of makes me feel like she might be the one to die after all. So if I had like to rank people, it'd probably be Joe and then Iris actually dying. Oh my gosh! So you're uh, so but mean. Then, but, but not that she's gonna be gone forever because I think I think Iris is very prominent in this show. If Iris dies, the- he's going back in time a hundred percent. Like no, that's well, guaranteed. Oh yeah. Well no. There, well no. There's no question. Yeah. yeah. The, I I feel I like she has plot protection though. Like I can't see her die because if she does die, then this show turns into Arrow because. You're not gonna have happy, peppy, positive. Well, no, that's why. That's why I said if she dies, I don't think it's gonna be. I think. I think it's gonna be with a twist, in that the way she dies might not even be by Savitar, or that if he kills her, he does it with like a secret weapon or something to where, uh, um, they're able to retrieve her or to go look for her, um. With the Flash, there's a lot of possibilities of, like, another timeline or finding her in the Speed Force. I mean, I don't know. They could come up with some weird stuff and we'll, like, uh, like be okay with it. So, my thing is, she'll die, but she won't stay dead. Mm-hmm. But they have the Caitlin? ability... Caitlyn? Like, imagine that if Caitlyn... Yeah, if, if Caitlyn was, like, convinced she was going to turn to Killer Frost and there was no way to stop it, would she kill herself to stop that from happening? I mean... Because that, that... Savitar never said he was going to kill anyone. He just said one will fall yeah well when he when they talked to him like a couple episodes ago he he specifically spoke to to iris and said i'm sorry you have to die but that's the way it is so um he's choosing to kill her for a particular reason so that kind of like still makes it feel like it's gonna be iris like but like i said i joe might not be um put in her place like randomly he might choose to die in her place. I don't know about Caitlyn. Uh, but she could be a little bit. Ex- I'm trying to think of who's expendable. In the team. And it's mostly HR and Julian. But yeah. they already said HR is not dying. So I mean. But like I said. I don't want Iris to die. I don't think she she will yet. But if she does. It would be a, a whole season of trying to find her. And get her back. Or that when she died. She didn't really die. She was sent. Like, her soul was sent somewhere else, or she was sent into another timeline, and Barry has to find it. I mean, that could be a, a thing for oh, next season. Oh, that actually has some, uh, some comic book uh, tradition to it, because yeah. in the old version of the comics, uh, Barry was convinced that uh, Zoom had killed Iris, but she was actually plucked out of time and taken yeah. forward in time to the 23rd century. So Yeah, see, that's Oh, my I gosh. They could do something like that uh, for her if she does die. That's just, like, my thing. I don't think that if they really killed her, she would stay dead. Because that's kind of shitty, I would admit. But the stakes need to be high. We need to be scared for everybody. But mostly yeah. for her. Because it is her. And if they don't... Ma- if right now we're like, oh, well, she's not going to die. They would never do that. That's kind of that's kind of a lame plot. Um, you know, driving... Like, it just doesn't, it just doesn't feel... Um, you know, like you're scared. It doesn't have any weight to it. So I still need to have her there that she will 
die or get injured. You know, she maybe she didn't even have to die. She could get like stabbed, but she's not dying. Or the only way they can save her is if they send her somewhere else and they have to find her. I mean, I don't know. I'm just coming up with stuff, but. The I don't think I, want I, suspect, die. I suspect what's going to happen is that Iris is going to get thrown back in time to about the 1940s uh, because when they cross over to Earth 2, which sort of had that 1940s Art Deco look and, you know, in this world where, you know, it was sort of, you know, a 1940s aesthetic, uh, Candace Patton looks awesome in clothes from that That's era. That's true. She, she, you know, she's one of those people that looks, I mean, she's always very attractive, but man, in costume garb from that time, she is stunning. So any excuse to do that. Uh, with her, I will be on board for. Yeah, I would like that. That would that would give Barry to do something, um, but also it gives us room to have a different kind of speedster, or I mean, not speedster, a different kind of villain too, um, for him in season four. So I would really like. Well, no, I can't say that. I, was about I think to say, they said it will not be a speedster. Villain yeah. Yeah. And I, and, I, and I was gonna add that I was really hoping that whatever happens in this finale, I hope it's not a direct cause of what happens in the next season. But that seems to be the formula for Flash. Um, yeah. Because I was trying to figure out like what you were saying. Because I could death. so see, I could so see them. Iris, quote unquote, dies. They have a funeral, and then like the last. 30 second clip is iris in the future like waking up like where the hell am i but then they've already said there it's not a speedster next season if they do kind of quote unquote get rid of savitar by the end of the season it just it wouldn't make sense for her to wake up in the future i think yeah, but they've already yeah. established that there's a man under the suit yeah so um i need to see like I, you see we need a little bit more on that but th i like these like little theories about um, Iris being sent somewhere and also it's a good way not well not a good way but it is a way uh, a device that the writers can use to keep Iris and Barry apart still in love but apart for a good while and it, it'll cause some romantic angst in a more natural way if that makes sense I feel like that would be really natural that they are separated nothing but more it, natural than being separated by centuries of time yeah yes. yeah no, that, yeah that it's not contrived that it's not like oh uh, you you said something and I'm mad at you it's like no she literally just died and she's sent somewhere but she's still alive and he has to find her I, I would actually be intrigued by a plot uh, plot line like that on that note join us next time for a brand new installment of the Central City Chronicle once again, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through iTunes. Just search for The Central City Chronicle and subscribe. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash The Central City Chronicle. Follow us on Tumblr, The Central City Chronicle. .tumblr.com Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com/poppychularadio. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Thanks, announcer. Co-hosts, wish the listeners a good night. Good night. Good night.
I was hoping one of you would do from the sound of music. But anyway, thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of the Central City Chronicle every Thursday via iTunes and the Poppy Chulo Radio Archives. Good night. <laughs>